For all the fuss and noise around the Saudi Pro League and its aggressive expansion, in terms of transfer fees so far this summer, the Premier League has outspent it to the tune of around about a billion pounds. England has the champions of Europe and some of the best players and coaches that the sport has to offer. With Manchester United and Arsenal making eye-catching signings and Liverpool and Chelsea potentially on an upward curve, it'll be tough at the top again. I'm Kevin Hatchard, and this is New Season Only Better. My vice-captain, Mark O'Hare, took a whole two hours off to get married in the summer, but don't worry, <laughs> he was straight back to the Bet Cave to refine his ratings ahead of the big, big kick-off. Mark, great to have you with us. I wrote a big season preview for our website, betting.betfair.com, and... I said that Manchester City to win the title and Erling Haaland to be top scorer at 5-4 to four might be decent value, but you're not so sure, are you? Um, I wouldn't say it's not value. I think uh, Man City to win the title, I think, was 188 on the exchange when I last looked, and I think that is a, a good price. I still think that is a value price. My issue was, do I want to tie up my money for nine months on an odds-on shot? So the way around that might be to plug in Erling Haaland to be top goal scorer alongside City to win which uh, hosed up last season, of course. Uh, that's around five to four, as you say. It's still not a massive price, and it's not really one that's going to get me too excited or out of bed in the morning when I've got to wait till to May to get that payout. So um, <laughs> I understand why people might want to go down that route, and I still think City are deserved favourites, and, and quite convincingly so. I did expect them to be quite a little bit shorter than 188 on the exchange. I would have had them closer to sort of 1.7. Um, I understand the, the sort of negatives around them with key players leaving, but I think they've replaced with Kovacic really smartly. I think there's a player who will be improving week on week now. He's under sort of Pep Guardiola's reign. Feels uh, like a Pep sort of player, right? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think he could have a, a monstrous season in that midfield too. But Guardiola, you know, the best defender on the market effectively, joining now to strengthen that defence as well is incredible uh, addition. And I think you've got to look towards the likes of sort of Foden, Alvarez players who probably played a little bit more on the periphery last season, could easily make a massive difference this time around too. So um, I understand why people might think, well, City have just won the treble. They might be sort of relaxing a little bit. That's not Pep Guardiola's way of business, is it? And, uh, He's not the most relaxed man. He's no, not come across no. particularly. Uh, and I think there's a, a sort of bigger fish at the end of this, and that's uh, the fact that no one has ever won four consecutive top flight titles in the history of English football, and that's a, a real target to aim for from City's perspective. So I do expect them to win the league. I did expect them to be shorter, but in terms of having a bet on it, I've, I've left it alone. Now, when you think of what you might call XG scientists, you might think that the kind of people who have their heads shoved down the toilet by bullies in a high school film or end up taking their mum to the prom. The XG community was sick of being seen as hopeless dweebs. They wanted to change that perception, so they found the dashing doctor of data himself, Jake Oscarthorpe. Jake, great to have you with us. How's the title battle shaking down in your eyes? Oh, I, I mean... I think Man City are fair favourites, first of all, but I do think that, I don't know, I think the price is just a little, it's just a little off for me. I was looking at this from a different perspective for Mark, um, and I was quite happy to take them on, really. Um, I know Mark's kind of highlighted potential issues and then kind of put a bit of uh, credence as to why they might not be issues, but, you know, I, I think that the chasing pack have made up a lot of ground um, this summer, and obviously it's difficult to do it throughout the summer with just transfer windows, but I think over the last couple of years, particularly Arsenal, the team I'd be looking at, um, their development under Mikel Arteta 
has been fantastic. I mean, when he first took over in 2021, they averaged um, plus 0.24 expected goal difference per game. That pretty much doubled the following season. It's doubled again the season after, which was obviously last season when they finished um, runners-up. And, you know, I think if they had a little bit more experience in that squad, they would have, I think, won the title because they were so close, weren't they? You know, everyone forgets how far clear they were. It was about nine points at one stage. Um, and if you look at the expected points on a game-by-game game basis, they were neck-and-neck neck with Manchester City, which kind of highlights the level that they were playing at. Uh, they Did were they Manchester blow it, City. Though, realistically, or was it just, look, Manchester City are going to really win, that's just going to happen? I think it's a bit of both. Um, City are making a habit of giving teams head starts. It's almost like they think it's too easy. It's like, we've got to give you a head start, so we'll make it fun for us, like the thrill of the chase. <laughs> um, it's happened in two of the last four title wins now. Uh, but interesting, there is th the one that they didn't win uh, the last five seasons was when Liverpool won the title. Um, and Liverpool at one point, you know, 10 points clear and City just couldn't reel that in. And I was, you know, it's always a dangerous game if you start slowly because if you do get a team that, that is just on fire like Liverpool were that season, it becomes impossible to try and overturn that kind of deficit. Um, and you know, I think Arsenal could well be that team this season. They started hot last season, they had that, that lead. They were just lacking a little bit of depth in the squad, which I think they've kind of ticked off. They brought in Declan Rice, Kai Havertz and Julian Timber. And I think not only did they improve the start in 11, but it adds a bit of tactical versatility and a little bit of depth in areas because we know Rice... That seems to be a big theme with Arteta, doesn't it? He wants players who are multifunctional. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and, you know, it gives you flexibility while still working with a small squad, which is kind of what Pep Guardiola does. He likes working with a smallish squad. Um, it means that, you know, if Jesus is out, Havertz can play as a striker. If Jesus is in, Havertz could drop into the eight. If you're missing a centre-half, Timber can fill in. If you miss another one, Declan Rice could even fill in at centre-half. Timber can play left-back, right-back, etc. So they've basically got two players for every position now, which I think is obviously they're going to need. They've got more games to play midweek in Champions League. Um, and, yeah, I, I think it's the, the, the Arsenal, the team I'd be looking at for a start to try and take City down. But I'm also quite sweet on Liverpool as well. Um, I think that they're in a position... They've been very hot and cold, haven't they, the last couple of years. Obviously won the title, kind of forced their way into the top four at the last minute the season after. Nearly did the quadruple the season after that, and then last season underwhelmed. But interestingly, the season where they forced their way into the top four um, was that 2021. They won eight of an unbeaten ten to finish the season. So they finished and they went into that quadruple challenging season with real momentum. And they did the same last season. They won seven of an unbeaten ten to close out few tactical tweaks with Trent shifting inside and you know it kind of makes sense to get your best playmaker on the ball more often right I mean you know in better positions and he, he reaped the benefits not of having that. that right back preferably exactly yeah um, so yeah I, I think that Liverpool could be in a really good position to, to, sh to challenge and they've got a nice springboard as well on the back of last season Via the wonders of modern technology, we're able to tap into the betting brain of Mark Stinchcombe on a regular basis from long range. But look, he's here <laughs> in real life. He came over on one of those aeroplanes they always make a fuss of. Uh, Stinch, are Arsenal going to be the best of the rest? Is somebody else going to challenge? Can anyone really overhaul Manchester City this season? Well, I think it, firstly, it's good to start with we've still got three weeks left of the transfer window. Then after that, there's another three weeks for Saudi Arabia. So a lot can happen. As a, as a punter, it can be quite frustrating or I mean, maybe not frustrating, annoying that you, can't, you don't know all the information that you really want to for the whole season. So there's a few question marks remaining, but at the prices, I, I mean, um, Man City 8-11, to 11, Arsenal 5-1, to 1, Liverpool 6-1. to 1. I think I think the boat's gone really if you want to back Arsenal or, or Liverpool. I think if you were believing in Arteta, the time was to back them last season at sort of 16s, 20s each way. 
and then ma and make hay that way. Um, yeah, I mean, City were four to seven last season. They're now eight to eleven. I don't think they've got worse by by that much, and I don't think the others have have caught up significantly. Um, you look. I know Arsenal made some signings, but Jesus out again for a few weeks. They don't seem. I wouldn't say they've got a reliable number nine. Um, well, they seem willing to sell Balogun, don't they? Which a lot of people are looking at and thinking, well, scored a lot of goals in Liga. I know it's Liga, but it does seem like a reliable goal scorer. Yeah, I mean, even uh, I wasn't that sure about Enketia, but he stepped in not so much last season, uh, but the season before with some key goals towards the end of the season. So I wondered if he would be the, the one that they would rely on. But um, I mean, Kai Havertz, I mean, you'll know from Bundesliga was, was fantastic. But in England, it just... It just hasn't really gone for him. Uh, only 19 Premier League goals from 30 expected. And there's a little bit of ill-discipline about him as well. Um, I don't think you can blame, say, match fitness for the chances he missed in the Community Shield either. So I'm not incredibly hot on Arsenal. Liverpool, massive hole in midfield. You know, five players to leave. No, no reliable holding midfielder if you want to move Trent into that position. Lot awful lot of work for Canate to do. Um, if they were to get one, though, if they were to get a Romeo Lavia or somebody of that ilk, would that change the perspective? Um, I f still think losing the experience and leadership of Jordan Henderson could be big. Um, Van, it wasn't Van Dyke's greatest season last season. You wonder if he's on the decline now as well. You look at them in pre-season as well. I would never really want to read too much into, into friendlies, but... To concede, you know, uh, double figures across five games across, you know, second and third division German clubs, not not fantastic. And if you watch the the goals as well, you know, they were decent chances. They were given up. It wasn't as if they were unlucky. So yeah, I think City uh, is the way to go again. Um, yeah, I think you've got a question. The fact they lost Gundogan and Mares, uh, 13 goals and 14 assists, those two contributed. And the thing I used to really like about Mares is he's just so reliable. You know, he'll come in between Champions League games and he'll set up a goal or he'll score. So, so reliable. Um, be good if Phil Foden can keep himself fit. I think he only started 20 games last season. Uh, and you wonder where maybe he'll fit in now with Grealish seems to have cemented that left hand. So maybe Foden will become more of that Mares as an inside right. But having said all that, uh, we backed City to win the league and Champions League last season at 5-1. to one. That's only 7-2 to two this time around. So I'm not keen to go in that uh, direction. It's only 18-1 to one for the treble. Um, Premier League, Champions League, FA Cup. I've done that now, it's easy. Yeah, well, <laughs> so I, I'm going to go for them to win the quad at 80-1. to one. Why not? Uh, faves in every match. Um, Pep's won the League Cup in four of the last six seasons. And if you think Guardiola is the ultimate winner, well, what better way to crown a treble than to go on to win a quad? And uh, 80 to 1, you're not going to run out of money fast. So, yeah, that's where I'm looking at. Uh, just to touch on your Haaland Man City 5-4, to four, uh, I think that's incredibly sure because, you know, if Haaland picks up an injury or something, you know, that 8 to 11 to 5 to 4 jumps really not very much. You could just take him into the workshop if he picks up an injury there, right? <laughs> um, just get some spare parts. <laughs> I thought what was interesting that stood out in that market was Liverpool to win and Salah at 50 to 1. Yeah, that's a huge leap from 6 to 1. And Salah's, you know, probably even 6 to 4 top Liverpool goal scorer. So um, that would be the way I want to go. But... 
if you look at the fact that, I mean, if that, I'm saying if Haaland gets injured and maybe Kane leaves, because obviously those two are just putting up ridiculous numbers, Haaland 36, Kane 30, and Salaroni is averaging 21 since his opening season 32, and it's African Cup of Nations this year as well. But I just thought, you know, if, if Kane was to leave and Haaland was to pick up an injury, that 51 suddenly becomes very attractive. Stinch, very on brand there. He's been on the show about 10 minutes. He's got an 80 to 1 winner, potentially, <laughs> and a 50 to 1 winner as well. They can't well, both win. They can't both win. No, that's <laughs> true. That's true. Last but certainly not least, the trader, tipster, and 2015 World Twister champion, <laughs> Emmett O'Keefe, is with us. Emmett, City Worth. Congratulations on your win, by the way. It's taken me a long time <laughs> to actually say that, but glad I finally got the chance. City Worth it at the prices? Um, I would say not. I, I, I agree with kind of Mark O'Hara's take that there is not necessarily kind of an on-field reason why they should be kind of a, a bigger price than they were last year, given I think last summer we, didn't, we weren't sure how Haaland would adapt, but last season we kind of have proof of concept of how effective kind of Haaland could be in the Guardiola system. I think like the kind of the, 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 there might be a little downgrade from, kind of Ko from uh, Gundogan to Kovacic, and just on field as well, I'd be so slightly concerned with Bernardo Silva loss. There's, I think it's a strong argument he made that Bernardo Silva was their best player in the latter stage of the Champions League. He's an incredible all-around player, the rare kind of blend of technical gifts and kind of hard-working and pressing. And just if he were to leave to Barcelona or Saudi Arabia, I think we've seen the city machine nearly been impenetrable to kind of player losses. But I do, I do think they would miss Bernardo. So I think that that's something I would kind of keep my eye on. But my biggest issue is off-field is that... I think everyone, everyone who's listening to the podcast has heard that about all the, the kind of the number of, premier, of charges that are being levelled at City by the Premier League, and just from everything I've read, the chances are that those kind of when the decisions made by the Premier League, that's likely to be in the next couple of years. And from everything I've read, that's going to lead to a serious points deduction. I'm expecting something pretty seismic. I think minimum. I think maybe 10, 20 point deduction. So for the next couple of seasons, while that's hanging over their head, I'd be reluctant to get involved with City at kind of short prices for the Premier League. And for that reason, I think it's quite, it's, it's, I, I'm looking for a team to take them on. And Liverpool were the team that I've landed on. They, obviously not perfect, but there's a few things, I, I, there's a few factors around Liverpool that's kind of make it inevitable that they will bounce back in some way. At the second most games lost injury last season behind Chelsea, You'd think that would get a bit luckier. They'd get a little bit luckier with that this season. Darwin Nunez had the third highest non-penalty XG in the Premier League, and he only nine Premier League goals to show for it. Just statistically, usually fi finishing like that is fairly random, because Nunez would have been banging in the goals for Benfica the previous season. So I think chances are Nunez might get a bit luckier. Liverpool will benefit from that. And if you look at the biggest weakness of the Liverpool team last season, it was, it was clearly the midfield. And I actually, I kind of disagree with Mark Stinchko. I think Liverpool have been unbelievably lucky to benefit from the Saudi largesse to get 40 million for Fabinho when he looked to play kind of a, a <laughs> kind of, I won't go too far, but he looked a player in serious decline. I think Jordan Henderson, again, was a player in decline. I think probably if FaZe came out, it's probably no bad thing. Alexis McAllister for 35 million, arguably the value signing of the summer. I'm really high on Dominic Sabosla. He looked like a budding star at Leipzig. And I do expect Liverpool to get a kind of a holding, holding, a holding midfield player in there. And I, I, obviously, Virgil van Dijk did show signs of, signs of decline last year. 
but I, I think with one of these things, if we see a stronger kind of Liverpool pressing unit, I, I, I'd, be, I'd be pretty confident that we'll see a better, a better Van Dijk, not at his peak, but not, quite, but not, not the player we saw last season. And then just from, from a pure, pure numbers point of view, in the second half of the season, Liverpool's kind of XG numbers were similar to Newcastle. So like they, they weren't, like Liverpool, I think, weren't as bad as their league position suggests. I think there's an ar- a strong argument by the day how they were actually better than Man United last season, who ended up, who, who ended up, who ended up finishing top four. I think there's loads of reasons to me to, to, the, the kind of, to suggest Liverpool should bounce back. And obviously, you've Jurgen Klopp there, who's consistently been Man City's biggest challenger since, since, since uh, against, against Pep Guardiola. We're actually ducking Liverpool, Liverpool a bit so you can get quite bigger prices else, elsewhere than to win the league. But if you're, I think, understandably afraid of City running away with it, I'd look at maybe Liverpool each way. There should be, you can get maybe 15 to, 15 to 2, 8 to, 8 to 1 out there. So we've talked about Liverpool, we've talked about Arsenal, we've talked about Manchester City. Stinch, what about Chelsea? Because Christopher Nkunku is going to miss the start of the season, so I can't bang the drum for a while. I'm going to have to wait. Um, but he's going to be out for a fair while. But they have made some interesting <coughs> signings. Where are they at? We've got Newcastle, we've got Manchester United, or any of those teams. If we were looking at top four, for mm-hmm. example, are there any of those teams that really appeal to you? I think if we say that Man City and Arsenal have got two of those top four positions, then we're looking two between well, Liverpool, United, Chelsea, Newcastle, Spurs, Brighton. Brighton. I don't think Villa can do it. I think a lot of people are looking past the fact that they massively uh, overperformed yeah. their... Uh, expected goals last season but uh, you could throw them in the pot because we know never really you shouldn't really oppose Emery at a smaller club shall we say but Um, he's in Europe and sometimes he jumps the league doesn't he (laughs) to actually chase Europe but it's very very competitive that's the that's the headline I think Uh, you look at Chelsea finished 12th last season uh, minus nine goal difference obviously huge turnover in players that can't gel overnight Um, obviously in Kunku very exciting but you can't do it all by himself so I think there's huge volatility with Chelsea. I, you can get them at 9-1 to one to finish in the bottom half. I wouldn't be surprised to see that happen again just because of how competitive the, the league is going to be. Um, we've seen how ruthless the owners are. Um, so there could be a change of manager there. Pochettino, 25-1, to one, first manager to go. <laughs> Never won on that market, so I'm not recommending that to bet. <laughs> you wanna, you I wanna thought you were going to add a 25-1 to one winner to a 50 no, and an 80 No, no. If there was any time, you know, uh, same as a goal scorer, you, people don't really bat first goal scorers and expect to win kind of thing. I think if there was an any time manager to leave market, that might be something that's interesting. Um, but uh, yeah, Man United uh, finished third. They overachieved by nine expected points. They've just bought a new striker, but he's injured. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the the business of, of spending that money on on Mason Mount. I think uh, it's got a lot to prove at that that price tag. Um, Onana's integration with that back four is going to be a lot of fun to watch. I think. But that was really important, wasn't it? Because you had David De Gea, who's got, you know divers boots on <laughs> can't <laughs> definitely can't build up from the back so they had to go long and Onana is a guy who's worked with Ten Hag and finally they can actually build up from the back yeah no it should be the the process should be the evolution should be should be good and should be co- progressive um, I think we were seeing the, cl- the decline obviously and in, in Hayes other strong aspects of his game so yeah I would say that uh, that that's certainly uh, an upgrade in in that respect um, Newcastle, how will they cope with playing twice a week with Champions League? They haven't done too much business either, certainly not anything too, uh, too eye-catching. Spurs, 
Is Kane going to stay? Is he going to leave? Do we have to wait six weeks to find out? Would he go to Saudi? I don't, you know, it's just an, uh, an unquestionable <coughs> that you can't really do anything with. Um, he's a slow starter, Postacoglu, right? He, he tends to, his football is great in the long term, but it takes a while to get that information across to the players. Potentially. Uh, I think there's been some positive results in, in pre-season, though, um, and maybe the, the Kane buzz uh, as well. Richarlison seems to have found some scoring boots as well, which is obviously key, considering his, considering his return uh, last season. So, yeah, the huge volatility there. I'd love to back Brighton top four, but it's only nine to two. And again, they're in Europe as well. So I think maybe the way to get w with Brighton would be potentially to back maybe Ferguson or uh, Jao Pedro or if Kudos arrives in the top goal scorer market, a big price maybe each way. But again, it's, it's another unknown. So yeah, just at the moment, just too many unknowns for me, in, to be honest. Jake, is there any value here, top four, you thinking? Yeah, I'm, I might be completely in disagreement with everyone else here, but I'm, I'm happy to take Newcastle at the prices to finish in the top four. 2.76, I thought it looked quite big to me. I mean, you know. Champions League's a big issue, though. Well, they, they're too deep in every position. You know, they're signing Livermento as backup for Trippier. Like, that kind of highlights what, what they've got going on there. They've got two right-wingers, two left-wingers. I think the signing of Tonali, while potentially not overly eye-catching, will free up Bruno Gimaresh to do a bit more going forward. So I think as a team, that will make them better. Well, maybe individually, he's not the best player. Harvey Barnes is going to do a better job than Anthony Gordon and St. Maximan in terms of what Eddie Howe wants down the left-hand side. Um, and yeah, like they, they finished, they ranked second based on expected points last season. They had more expected points than Arsenal. Um, and the, the underlying process, again, right up there with, with what Arsenal were putting up. So they're coming from a really strong foundation from last season. And I think compared to everyone else, you know, the Chelsea's, I think Chelsea will have a decent season. I think the squad is purpose-built for what Pochettino wants, young, vibrant, high energy, it will take a while to gel. Um, Man United, they were, you know, over the course of the season, results were good, performances were massively hit and miss. Like, one week they'd be brilliant against Man City, the next week they'd look rubbish and somehow managed to be Crystal Palace. Like, those kind of fluctuations are not going to be sustainable over a long period of time. And I think with Newcastle, you've got that consistency. They were very consistent week to week. Even when they had that, I think it was a 10-game winless run in the middle of the season, they were still consistently creating chances. They just weren't taking them. Um, and the fact that they've got a really strong back line, the second-best defence in the league last season based on the underlying numbers, stands them in very good stead over a 38-game season. So they're, they're the ones that I trust most out of the other teams. Um, I think Tottenham are really interesting because they've got an attack-minded manager now and they've got a, quite, you know, a few good attacking players that you could maybe get the best out of. Um, but yeah, I, I think of all of the kind of, I, I personally think it's City, Arsenal, Liverpool, I would put in the top four, and then I think it's one place for the rest. And of the, of the others, Newcastle are the ones I have the least questions about. Emmett, anybody screaming out to you in this top four race? Um, nobody. I'm, Brighton to me the most interesting one in that I think there's, <laughs> we kind of, obviously we know they're losing McAllister, they're likely losing Caicedo and even I think losing Levi Colwell is a big loss, I think he's a budding superstar who I think will be, will be a huge player for Chelsea and he was really impressed right in the second half of the season, but up front you still have, you still have Karen Matoma who's one of the most gifted wide forwards in the league, I'm really high and see so on the other side, if you look at some of his statistical comparisons, they're kind of really kind of top world-class forwards. I think he's a massive talent. Obviously, in Ireland, we have huge high hopes for Evan Ferguson. Uh, uh, and, and then, then, then yeah, Pedro, Pedro coming in and Mohamed Kudus. And I think I just, 
given what they've done, you have to. If Brighton are spending significant money on a player, you have to take notice and give them more faith than you would other clubs that those, those players will integrate well. I guess I, I'd kind of wait till the end of the transfer window before I get involved with Brighton. I just think there's a bit of a few unknowns. But if you're looking for for kind of a surprise team, that that would definitely be the way I'd look. Um, I just had a one. Kind of one bet to kind of finish it outside the top four market. It kind of uh, it kind of goes back to what I was saying about Man City earlier um, about the off-field stuff. You can currently get one their one point zero six to lay in the Betfair exchange, so they're sixteen to one to finish out of the top four. And now on, on the field, that's the correct price. Well, I think it's not taking into account the off-field factors. As I said, if 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 the Premier League charges come during the season. I'm expecting a significant points deduction, and I think that the, r- the range of outcomes for everything you read is potential relegation, even expulsion from the league. Obviously, that won't happen, but uh, but uh, I think I, I think the fact that that's even being talked about does do, 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 does show you. I think people people just expect City to kind of get away with it, and, and big clubs, big money, kind of get away with these things. I think given the kind of the kind of anger from Premier League clubs and the, and the, and the seriousness of the charges, I do think when it comes, it will be serious for Man City and there's a better than 16-1 to 1 chance that they'll finish out, finish out to the top four as a result. I've just got visions of Emmett looming over the Etihad <laughs> from his Grim Reaper's side already. Yeah. Uh, Mark, anyone that we haven't discussed or anything, any angle you think? Uh, no, I, I found the top four market quite tough. Uh, I think City and Arsenal are a bit of a lock. I actually like City, Arsenal... In a straight forecast at five to one, I think the business Arsenal have done this summer is is very very smart. Especially if you consider uh, David Raya could be coming in from Brentford as well to add a bit more depth to the goalkeeping position uh, and competition. And if uh, that seems Bar- mad to me, it, I never it like it when there's two really good goalkeepers. It, it just doesn't seem right to me because one's well, not going to play. Yeah, but the reserve is you know if one of them was to get injured on opening day of the season for the, the well, whole year, it's good for Arsenal. Yeah, it's it's what David Raya is doing. Oh <laughs> yeah, I know, especially in a European Championship campaign. But um, it's not like you've not got like Matt Turner. He's probably not the greatest goalkeeper, but he's the USA first choice yeah, goalkeeper. The drop off is is quite significant. It, it's it like when we saw Saliba get injured last year. The drop off to Rob yeah. Holding. <laughs> It's Sorry, Rob. Yeah, it was, Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, I would say, that. probably the, the reason why Arsenal didn't win the league, yeah. actually, was, yeah. was Saliba's, Saliba's injury. But um, uh, I think Liverpool have got a lot to, to find, really, in that midfield and, and find quickly. They're going into the season without a holding midfielder, which could be quite a concern. Uh, I think Man United are being kind of going under the radar slightly. It was a transition season last year under Ten Hag. He still got to two cup finals and a top four. Um, I think it was an excellent campaign, really. Uh, I'm not you know, overblown by the, by the signings they've made, but I think what they've got there already, if they get that defence fit and available, Casemiro, of course, didn't start the season last year. Um, he was a, you know, one of the players of the season in my eyes as well. So um, I think the top four, as the market has it, is going to be hard to nudge. Chelsea were interesting, but I think injuries at the minute, and again, like Liverpool, not having a midfield to go into the campaign is a is an issue. Uh, I'd oppose Jake with Newcastle. I think they will regress. I think the the fact they haven't played European football last season was a, <laughs> was a uh, was a huge contributing factor to their to their good campaign. I think being involved in the Champions League is is really significant. And I think when you have got someone like Spurs and Chelsea without European involvement, that's a huge asset to them to them ahead of Newcastle. So um, obviously Spurs have got a lot to find, but Kane stays, which looks likely. Madison now there as well. Bentancourt back in mid-September uh, is really, really key as well. So, you know, we were looking at them last season. What were they? 1.22 for the top four last season, uh, top six last season. They're 2.34 for the top six this season. So that's a big, big change and the squad's not changed that much. You've got a, a refreshing of the head coach there who 
will promise you know, attacking, attractive football. He's a real people person as well. He is bold and brash, but he is very, very good in terms of uh, garnering a, a good team spirit and a belief in the, in the bigger picture too. So I'm fully expecting Kane to stay. You'll probably know more on that situation, but um, he scored three or four goals at the weekend against Shakhtar Donetsk. And I think Spurs shouldn't be ruled out. 5.3 for a top four. Look how civilised they all are. We've had Emmett disagree massively with Stinch. We've had Mark tear down Jake's ideas. Not a single punch thrown <laughs> so far. I Not say yet. so far. Mm. Now, there's no doubt that injury time goals are a great source of drama in football. That Aguero moment. Solskjaer breaking Bayern's hearts. But those goals can be a pain in the pocket if they ruin your bets. So we're introducing a new feature at Betfair called 90 Minute Payout. Now, when you bet on the result of a match, you can still win even if there is injury time drama. If the clock hits 90 minutes and you've got the right result as it stands, your bet wins when the match ticks into injury time. There is a handy FAQ section on our website, betting.betfair.com, T's and C's in the description, 18 plus, see gambleaware.org. Let's switch our attention to the absolute dogfight that is the relegation battle. Went down to the final day last term, Everton survived, kicked both Leeds and Leicester into the abyss. Jake, is it fair to say the promoted clubs aren't quite as strong as they were a year ago? Or is that unfair? Uh, I think two of them, yeah. I think Burnley will be just fine. I think they're the kind of team that will come up, be brave in the way in which they play, very front foot, very, I think, built for the Premier League in that sense. Um, and I, I don't think they'll be near the relegation dogfight. The other two, I think it's very likely they'll both go down, Luton and Sheffield United. Um, I think Luton will surprise a few. I think they'll get a few results that might catch a few... Uh, a few interesting glimpses, but um, overall... It's a hell of a quality gap, though, isn't it? They've obviously big, made this yeah. incredible run from the National League to the Premier League, but this is the biggest chasm that they've leapt over, right? Big time, yeah. And, and you know, not to like disrespect any of the signings, but they're basically signing championship players, and in my opinion, that's with a view to making a strong squad for if, when they go down next season, so they can continue that kind of slow progression to eventually yeah. come back up to the Premier League and have a squad that's good enough to survive. Um, and Sheffield United are just a bit of a basket case club at the moment and you know I, I'm used to that being a Sheffield Wednesday fan so the team from the opposite side of the city being in a bit of trouble um, you know it, it's something that's been rumbling for a while uh, they nearly went into administration at the back end of last season that could still happen they're obviously having a fire sale as well Sander Berger looks like he's going to be leaving Illuminati already yeah, gone he's gone yeah. to Marseille um, and they're not spending any money to bring any players in so effectively they are weaker than what they were in the championship so I don't see any value uh, I don't see any way they kind of survive as things currently stand. Um, I would maybe even look at them finish bottom, actually, if things continue the way they are. Um, but just generally on the relegation market, I kind of, I don't know, it, I think the good thing about the bet for exchange is that you can back to lay, and that's something that I would be looking to do in the relegation market this season, because we got, um, well, many punters will have got bitten last season when, you, you know, you come into the start of the season, you've got a really good edge, a really good angle. Last season it was Wolves who were all kind of negative on thinking that they were going to get relegated and you know you go into the World Cup break, they're bottom, you think this is great and then all of a sudden they make a great managerial appointment, buy a few players and you know you don't get any rewards for your initial edge. So that kind of back to lay element is something that I'll be using more of this season in the relegation market. The same happened with Everton as well. You know Frank Lampard in charge, they were destined to go to the championship got rid of him and Sean Dyche came in and managed to save them uh, and the season first before first show you've slagged off Lampard <laughs> already doesn't even manage in the Premier League anymore <laughs> it wouldn't be a football only better show would it <laughs> uh, in the previous season you had Leeds do the same with Jesse Marsh coming in when they looked like they were going down and Everton as well where Frank Lampard did keep them up 
So that, that kind of thing happens a lot, obviously, with Premier League owners. They don't want to take a risk in terms of going down. They want to do everything they can to try and survive and keep in, in the riches of, of the Premier League. So who to look at in the back to lay? I've got Everton down again at 4.2. Not really impressed with their business and, and the squad in general looks a little bit weak. Although I, you look at the profile and it does kind of suit the way Daesh wants to play now with a couple of really quick forwards, um, a very solid looking midfield and a decent defensive block. So you can expect them to play more Burnley-esque maybe do enough to survive. West Ham were the other one that I thought were quite interesting. You're looking at 10 at the moment on the exchange. So if you were to back them to get relegated, obviously the you know, Moyes' future's up in the air in terms of disagreements with the you know, recruitment team, with yeah. the owners about who they want to bring in. Obviously lost Declan Rice, they still yet to sign anybody officially. They've lost Skamaka, got rid of him as well. Um, so they seem to be at loggerheads. You know, they, they've got a couple of interesting games coming up this weekend. Uh, the first weekend they play Bournemouth. If they lose there, then what kind of precedent does that send? So, um, yeah, I thought they were an interesting one at 10 um, to back to lay because there's every chance that you could see them struggling, as they did last season, but pulling the trigger and sacking David Moyes this time around and bringing in someone like Graham Potter, for example, who would all, all in, you know, immediately elevate them and probably drag them to survival. So one to keep an eye on uh, in that market. And then the other one was Wolves at 3.85, which I'm sure that price is kind of gone because yeah. we talked about this before recording. Uh, Julian Lopetegui, odds on to be the next man to go. Um, he's you know, not a happy man. He's not a happy man, but um, you know, just in general, to kind of do this kind of business and you know, be unhappy a week before the season starts is far from ideal. And um, yeah, 3.85 is probably not there right now, but um, I would still be looking at those as a team to maybe back to lay um, again like last season. Mark, I wondered about Fulham because Marco Silva staying, obviously that's a real boost. Fulham overachieved last season, but didn't have the best end to the campaign. Mitrovic seems to be angling for a move to Saudi. He seems to have had his head turned. You just wonder, Willian arrived and then two weeks later went, yeah, I'm not sure I do want to stay mm. now. It just seems a bit chaotic going into the season. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, the issue is uh, with the relegation market, there's probably nine teams who'll be starting the season looking to try and survive. And I'll include West Ham in that because I agree with Jake. I think they're an outside shot to be dragged in but from a betting perspective if we think Luton and Sheffield United are as bad as the odds suggest which I think we probably all do you're only playing for one place there and competition for that place is is fierce really I've got the same concerns around Everton West Ham and Wolves uh, I think Bournemouth will be absolutely fine but that's probably a different com conversation I think they could be one of the more um, surprising teams this time around so yeah Fulham in terms of second season syndrome um, can't be ruled out because you're right they overperformed overachieved uh, if Mitrovic was to leave sounds like he, he wants to leave and if he does get that move that's a, a big loss because the drop off then to him uh, to Raul Jimenez <laughs> you know, goes without saying well, um, he's not been the same player since he came back from the head injury no that's, and, uh, that's, that's the truth sure. of it, no fault it? of his own but uh, João Paulinho uh, getting injured in pre-season as well disrupts their start to the campaign as well I think that's a uh, a shoulder injury too so you're looking at key performers from last season either not there or, or suffering from injuries as well so I can see regression from Fulham absolutely but the issue is when you look at the relegation market is who they're going to finish below because you've got two teams who are expected to struggle from the off and then you know in terms of Everton and Wolves two teams who struggled to score goals at the best of times last season I think Everton's spine as Jake says is is reasonable if they can get Calvert-Lewin fit but uh, come around to January, Gay and Decore will be off to AFCON as well. That's a blow. Um, 
They only won five of 18 games under Dyche last season. The home form, which is normally such a strength, was, was actually quite poor at Goodison. And there is a trend of, of the 17th place team getting relegated the following year. Um, so I, I would be concerned about Everton. And a Forest just don't seem to be doing much either, but I kind of put full trust in, That's good in though, Steve isn't Cooper. It's like um, nine million players I know, I know, but uh, <laughs> if Brendan Johnson does leave, that does, that does damage them a little bit too. I think that, 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 that trio of Awani, uh, Morgan Gibbs-White and Brendan Johnson is know was 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 immense really in the second half of last season you know if there's any regression in that city ground form as well they'll be pulled into it too so it's very very difficult but uh, in terms of a bigger price West Ham were the ones for me but as Jake says Moyes could be gone by October and you could have Graham Potter or, or even Lopetegui going in there and you know completely change the scenery. Emmett you had somebody for bottom half I think didn't you that you thought might be a bit of a Surprise. Yeah, bottom half and top half. Well, start with the, we'll start with the, neg- start with the negative. I'm, I'm risking getting thrown, up, thrown off the podcast here. But Is it Man City again? No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. it's actually Tottenham. Um, they, to me, have the look of a potential train wreck this season. Like, they were awful last season. They were closer to a, mi- a mid-table side than they were a top six. And to be, honest, to be blunt, like, I don't think they have any building block, block players at peak ages, which in modern football is kind of between 23 and 28, other than may, maybe Dejan Kulisevsky. I think Christian Romero, you could say, is another one, but he's a lot of questions to answer. I think he was really poor last season. I think f- fullback, fullback positions, like, uh, they, to me, they've no, they've no prov- proven quality. Pedro Porro didn't look a player that was worth the kind of, tra- the kind of transfer fee they paid. In the central midfield, what, what can they really hang their hat on? Benton Curran back, come back from injury. But that's a really serious injury. That's a couple. Of, that's kind of couple of coming a couple of months into the season, and then they're also heavily reliant on players that are over thirty. And like everything we know about Ange Postecoglou is the style of football is high energy, high pressing. How do Harry Kane and Sonia Min fit into that? I'm I'm really not sure. Uh, I think to me as well. And I've said this before, but Daniel Levy is putting his own int- credentials as a deal maker ahead of the club's interest by not selling Kane sooner. In my opinion, yeah. I think they'd be far better as a club if they if they took maybe whatever a slight ten million less than Levy wants and actually invest invest in, invest the money in kind of young players that fit that fits Post- Post- fits Postacoglu's vision. I'd have question marks around James Madison as well. He's like he's twenty six, so he's not like this kind of young promising player anymore. And unlike, say, Jack Grealish at Aston Villa, he didn't really drag Leicester su- to survival. If you compare, say, Madison to Grealish, like, Madison was dropped by Leicester against Newcastle in a must-win game at the end of the season. So I, I think, like, I, I, I like his talent, the numbers are there, but I'm, like, I, 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 I don't think it's a banker that he'll, massive, that he'll massively improve Tottenham. And, and to me, I think the Postacoglu, I, I like him as a character. I like the style of football. I'm just worried that he's c- come into a, a club in a kind of a very, very perilous situation. And given we know at Celtic that his kind of style of play takes quite a bit of time to bet in, you wonder if, he's, if, if, if they start maybe after eight games, Spurs are, Spurs are 14th or 15th, and kind of the, the pressure is coming on from the media. Will 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 Levy buckle? How how will that go? So given that, I, again, more of a back to lay. But I think the five to one on Betfair Sportsbook and Spurs bottom half, I'm I'm willing to take. You might be the new Craig Foster. Ange Postecoglou is going to come <laughs> after you. If you haven't seen that interview, by the way, Postecoglou versus Craig Foster, it is worth checking out. We are going to go to top scorer, but actually, I want to go to top assists first because Stinch, you had somebody you quite like the look of in terms of who might top the assist chart? Yeah, so the, the market is Kevin De Bruyne 11-4, Alexander-Arnold 6-1, uh, Bruno Fernandes 9-1, to 
Saka 11 to 1, and Mohamed Salah, who I think is the bet at 12 to 1 each way. Um, so if you finish in the top four, you get paid out at 3 to 1. Uh, De Bruyne won this last season with 16 in, in 28 starts, four sub appearances. Salah was second with, with 12. Um, season before last, he won it with 13, Salah, and the season before that, he had 10. Um, he's already picked up seven assists in five preseason games. Now, don't want to read too much again into friendlies, but clear, clearly, it's not bad going, is it? clearly some pattern there. Um, Trent Alexander-Arnold only picked up one assist in preseason. Um, again, that might be because he played more at right back rather than this new position. But again, in my mind, you always want someone closer to the goal. And Salah is twice the price of Trent anyway. So that's the, the, clear, the clear value there for me. Um, De Bruyne obviously is the big one to try and beat. But obviously, you know, we can get top four here. That would still be, we'd still get paid out. Um, season and according to Emmett, the club's going to dissolve anyway, <laughs> so he's probably not going to get those assists. Um, season before last, he only picked up eight assists, and there's always a question mark regarding his uh, injury record, De Bruyne. Uh, two seasons previous to that, uh, started less than 25 and, and 23 matches. Um, so yeah, I think uh, Salah there is, 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 is clearly the, the value, uh, 12 to 1. I know he's away at AFCON as well, but he won it the season he went to AFCON, so... And it doesn't take a big number to win it, you know. Double figures, I think, will get us in the places. So I think good value there. And Jake, you had somebody as well, didn't you? Yeah, I was going to go with Trent. I know it's short a price, and I it's I another it. fight in the offer. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, Trent was nine to one, and then I think he'd been tipped yeah. up a little bit, and now yeah. six to one. I'd still take him at six to one, just just based on the fact that um, Liverpool, at the back end of last season, were flying on. I mean, they were good all season long in attack, second best behind other Man City, based on the XG. Um, and last, uh, the last 10 games of last season when Trent started playing in that more you know, that hybrid kind of role where he came inside and got on the ball a bit more he had 7 assists in 10 matches from 5.6 expected assists so it wasn't just like he was passing it um, to Salah who was scoring an absolute thunderbolt from 35 yards he was putting people through in good scoring positions that 0.56 per 90 expected assist average is ridiculously high for a I guess we still call him a fullback, even if he does kind of shift inside. Um, and yeah, Liverpool as a team are averaging two and a half XG in those 10 matches as well. So if they kind of continue that, um, that level uh, and Trent continues to play in that more advanced position, then I think he could be well in with a shout of getting 15 assists. But, you know, there's a lot of ifs there. And I think at the prices, six to one, four places, I probably would side with Salah. <laughs> you just had an argument with yourself basically there. yeah <laughs> okay wonderful yeah. Uh, like, like Stinch said the price was there at nines I would have been all over it at nines yeah. uh, it's been trimmed into sixes and yeah th there's a lot of ifs to like in the big games would Trent still come inside and play mm -hmm. in there or would he play a bit yeah. more reserved yeah. and you know that, that's you know 10 games a season isn't it so um, yeah I think, I think especially with we're going to get on to top scorer, but especially with the other guys that Liverpool have got up top there and, and the fact that one of them might be playing more centrally this time around, I think Salah could well be the man to, um, to back in 12s. Worth bearing in mind, Betfair's offering a completely free football lacquer every weekend in August, but you have to opt in to claim it. Maximum free bet varies between £1 and £2 per customer. Minimum combined odds and T's and C's apply. Let's move across then to the top scorer market. No doubt that Erling Haaland dominates that market, but what if he gets tempted away to be a hair care model halfway through the season? Who knows? So you're going to need some alternatives. Marco Hair, you can start us off. Uh, not a market I'm, I'm particularly proficient with, but I'll, I'll do my best. I think Harry Kane at 15-2 to two each way on the sportsbook is 
is definitely worth a, worth a look. Uh, Spurs will be playing front foot football now. I, I understand Emmett's concerns, but I think the mood around the club will have been lifted significantly since Antone. Antonio Conte left and Postacoglu went in there. It's a, a breath of fresh air, really. No European commitments, chasing Shearer's record. He's won the top gong four times already. Uh, he hasn't scored below 17 goals in the Premier League in his last nine seasons. He's just a goal-scoring machine. I think he is the best option outside of Haaland at the prices. Uh, obviously, you can get each way if you're back on, on the sportsbook when Haaland did ha does hack up with, what, 50 goals or so this season. Um, alternatives. Um, I did look at Darwin, but um, the price has been cut to 16s. And my issue with Liverpool is the goals will be spread around. There's so much firepower in that team. I don't see one individual sort of taking on the whole mantle themselves. I looked at Ollie Watkins at 33 to 1. Um, He's a uh, Emery really likes him, really really likes him, and the way in which he sort of transformed his own season uh, after Steven Gerrard's departure uh, was the main man. Scored 11 goals in his last 17 games of the season, which was really quite impressive. Um, 33 to one, slightly shorter than I'd probably want. Um, I have got a couple of trends here. The issue is I haven't got anyone to fit the trend, <laughs> so if anyone can help. Um, 17 of the last 21 seasons, a player at 50 to 1 or bigger has placed. In 12 of those 21 seasons, a player at 100 to 1 has shot, uh, has placed. And uh, a player from outside the big six has placed in all bar three seasons since the start of the Premier League. Ivan Tony was 50 to 1 last season. He placed, um, ticked a couple of those, of those boxes. I wondered whether, whether Evan Ferguson could be the man uh, but comments coming out of Brighton this week actually suggested that the striking uh, position will be sort of uh, rotated with European competition and João Pedro there as well. But um, yeah, he could be the one to sort of fit the narrative, but I haven't got anyone solid. Kane would be my, my main play here at 15-2. to two. I like that you thought about Darwin and then weren't so sure, so you could say that your thoughts about Darwin evolved. evolved. Yeah. Uh, Jake, who have we got? <laughs> uh, I'm still evolving <laughs> with Darwin, I think. Um, <laughs> I personally, you know, given the state that Haaland left the Premier League in last season, I'm looking in the without Haaland market. Um, you are getting shorter prices, obviously, but Kane without Haaland at four to one, I think is, you know, you're getting each way a quarter of the price. You're getting an even money winner if he places, but I just don't see how he doesn't place in this Tottenham team. Um, I think, you know, he scored 30 goals in what was a rubbish and very defensive-minded Tottenham team last season, which was if ridiculous. he goes to buy and ignore this bit, obviously, yeah, bit. Th that's the caveat. <laughs> but um, you know, I'm, I'm more than happy to take that chance because uh, you know, it's just like dealing with Daniel Levy is like banging your head against the wall, isn't it? He, I don't think Kane's going to go anywhere. Basically, I mean, watching by the time this goes out, he'll have moved to Bayern. <laughs> but yeah, I think if he stays, then playing in this more attack-minded team, he's going to score a hatful of goals. Um, Darwin Nunes, I think, is is worth backing. I think he's going to play more centrally this season. He actually racked up the fourth most expected goals per 90 minutes last season in the entire league at 0.76. Um, he's very clumsy looking, isn't he? And kind of <laughs> awkward to watch. But he's very effective and he's a handful for defenders. And the kind of underperforming season he had last season, 9 from 14.5 XG, he did the exact opposite the season before in Benfica. He had 26 from 15.7, so it kind of shows the streakiness yeah. of his finishing. So he's more he's than capable. He's still so young as well, he relatively. Is, yeah. He is, um, and he's an absolute handful in every phase of the game, whether that be if you're pinning teams back with, set, uh, with corners and crosses or whether it's on the transition as well with his, his pace. I think he's going to have a really good season. Then one that kind of fits your trends a little bit was, would be Jao Pedro, the, the, other, the guy you mentioned there other than Evan Ferguson. Um, I thought it was he's interesting. He's great, isn't he? Uh, he's, he's brilliant, yeah. And, and I, I can't wait to see how Deserby uses him. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he played him as maybe a, as the 10 behind Ferguson or played them both together. Um, but I just thought it was interesting in pre-season. He'd been on penalty duty, even though 
Pascal Gross has been on the pitch, who you'd expect to be the penalty taker yes. now that McAllis has left. So that's something to bear in mind if you're looking at back in Chao Pedro. Emmett, who are we looking at? Yeah, I think this is a very, very interesting market, just for better customers as well. I think it's, it's probably, I think, given I think what, what the expe expectations are of Haaland, I think he's now uh, eight, 173 in the exchange to be top goal scorer, which is, I'd say, a shorter price as we've had in Premier League history. You're going back to the kind of the kind of glory days of La Liga when you had the kind of the kind of big beasts like, like, Messi, like Messi and Ronaldo for those where, where, where you're kind of expecting those, those kind of goal totals. But yeah, I have a couple. I've one at a big price and one at a huge price. So the one, one at a, 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 a big price, I think I'd play it probably in the betting without Haaland market at twenty to one. Is is Bakayo Saka? So the, so the thinking here is Saka's only twenty one. I know he seems like he's been around for a long time, but he's obviously one of the most gifted young attacking players in Europe, and he's improved his kind of goal tallies each of the last two seasons from 5 to 11 to 14. It wouldn't surprise me at all if he takes a step towards the kind of Salah, Son Heung-min level and pushes towards 18 or 19 goals, which will be more than enough for a place. He's also on penalties in a kind of a really, uh, in, in what should be a really potent kind of Arsenal, or, or, or Arsenal attacking lineup. So I think he's one. And then the other one, I think, lads, please don't laugh at me here is, I guess I'll start with the narrative about the team first, is that I think Bournemouth are going to be one of the biggest improve improvers from last season. I think in terms of managerial upgrades, going from Gary O'Neill, who was his first job in management, to one of the, the most kind of gifted and highly rated young managers in Spain, and Androni Iriola, who consistently outperformed his budget massively at both Mirandes and then laterally at, at Raya Vallecano, finishing mid-table, getting to the kind of the Copa del Rey, Copa del Rey semi-finals, and as well, what is most impressive to me, and probably for I think for club chairman or look at him, is that he did well against the bigger clubs in Spain. He wasn't just one of these guys who's kind of digging out results against the smaller teams. I think they played Iriola's Vallecano team played Barcelona four times, unbeaten in all four matches. Beat Real Madrid. I think they and Bournemouth. I think of to me of quite a, a few kind of good young players. Think of Justin Cliverish, Dango, Watara in the wide positions, Hamatriori in midfield, Zabarni at the back. But so then kind of leading on, and they're apparently going to spend more money before the end of the window. So leading on to this top score, sp top score bet. I think Dominic, Dominic Slanky is, is worth a few quid. He's 80 to 1 in the betting without Haaland market. He's a bit of a kind of similar profile to Ivan Tony and Patrick Bamford, who've actually got places in, in the top goal score market in, in, in the last three seasons. He scored over 30 goals in the championship two years ago. So we've seen he can rack up goals. Again, a bit like Alexander Mitrovic, who's kind of gone, who would have gone close in this market, if not, if not for his kind of ridiculous ban last season. And one factor I think might be in Bournemouth's favour, Bournemouth actually had no penalties in the league last season, which is incredible, in, 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 in 38 matches. So I think they're probably due a bit of regression look with that. And generally, if you're more of a high-scoring team, you get more penalties anyway. And, uh, and Solanke had, was their penalty taker in the Championship. So I think all those factors go in his favour. I can see Solanke maybe getting maybe 14 or 15 goals, and, maybe, and hopefully, maybe hopefully a few more, and he might be able to n n nick a place anyway. See, we didn't laugh, did we? Harry Kane <laughs> might not even be in the league. <coughs> I like yeah. it. I really like it, actually. Solanke, it's a good shout. Well, there we go. Stinch, take us home. Uh, yeah, I mean, we were talking about Darwin Nunes at 16s. I just thought another Liverpool attacker in that front three is at 50 to 1 in uh, Diego Jota. Might be enough to get you, get you a place, a double figure price. Uh, 31 Premier League goals in 51 Liverpool starts. Um, he finished sixth two seasons ago with 15, so not too much to, to get into the places there. 
Um, just question is how many minutes is he going to get in that front three with, with Diaz, Nunes, Salah and, and Gakpo. But we've seen Gakpo deployed a little bit deeper in, in pre-season as well. And if one of them gets injured, then I expect him, him to come in. So, um, yeah, not something I'm, uh, that I'm going to back uh, myself, but uh, just thought one to keep an eye on. Now, when it comes to the main markets, the Betfair exchange often has better value when it comes to prices, but the Betfair Sportsbook really comes into its own with things like bet builders and those odds on that selections, kind of obscure bets that you might not originally have thought of. We're going to go quite quick fire for the final section of the show. Mark, I know you've got an odds on that selection for us. I've got three. I'll be quick. Um, the first one is eight to one. It's one in four of the last six seasons. Um, Liverpool to be unbeaten at Anfield this season, eight to one. They lost one home game all last season. Uh, since the start of 2017-18, they've lost seven times in 114 home Premier League games. Six of those came in consecutive matches during <laughs> the COVID-influenced yes. yes, era when well. they had no <laughs> defence. So effectively, take out the COVID season, they've lost once at home in five seasons since 2017-18. They will be favourites at home for every game in the Premier League, apart from probably when they play Man City. So 8-1 to one seems like a, a nice price. We did it last year. It didn't win. It won't win again this season, <laughs> but it's worth uh, an interest. 18-1 uh, to one on four or more corners in every match. Um, only five games didn't feature at least four corners in the Premier League last season. The average was around 10.3. 99% of games over the last six seasons of the Premier League featured at least four corners. So... Just a fun bet to cheer on. The numbers are hard to ignore, but it will probably lose at some point. Um, and then the 250 to one <laughs> I shot. I went for five at 125 to one. Yeah, that's not winning. That's not winning. 250 to one, uh, over 0 0.5 goals in each of Brighton, Man City, Liverpool and Arsenal's matches. Ambitious, I know, but all of City's games featured at least a goal. Last year, 36 of Brighton's, 38 did. We saw the transition of Deserby, gung-ho football, should be great fun. 37 of Arsenal's 38 did as well. Liverpool just saw four games feature a nil-nil draws, but I think Liverpool remodelling that midfield and playing on the front foot as well should give us a, a better run for our money this time around. So, um, yeah, I think it's 500 to 1 for no nil-nils in the league as a whole. So wow. for 250 to 1 to have the, basically the four best attacking teams on side, I think is a really nice play, actually. Chelsea Liverpool's in the first weekend. They seem to draw nil nil, nil a nil lot nil, nil, at the moment. Yeah. Uh, Stinch, this is this is where you come alive, isn't <laughs> it? <laughs> I got I got one at a short price and then one at a big price. I think if you want one to, I mean, I'm not a fan of like backing an even money shot and having to wait nine months for a payout. You're always looking to kind of combine two or three of those to, to make it a bit more worthwhile. Uh, Burnley seven faves at ten to three for relegation, but they're going to be absolutely fine. Uh, regularly going off very short odds in the championship last season. Um, they're five to four to get 43 points or more. Um, I fancy them to establish themselves really well, uh, maybe even finish top half. Um, Brentford, their first season for comparison, they got 46 points. Um, and I, know, I think Burnley play a, a better brand of football that lends itself more uh, consistently to winning matches. And then the other one was one or more cards and just three or more corners in every Premier League game at 175 to one. Um, the corners part of this one in every game but one last season, uh, which is Forest Leeds, where Leeds won 2-0 on the corners. And we look at the new card rules uh, being you know, given, um, you know, you can get a yellow card for sneezing on your opponent, it seems. So <laughs> that might calm down, but uh, I think we might be able to get to at least maybe mid-September with this still uh, <laughs> alive. Um, and at 175 to 1 as well, a lot of fun to cheer on. Emmett, any long shots that have... 
caught your eye? Just on uh, what Mark said there, just to kind of an indication of how the new Premier League rules have changed those prices. Usually, that one or more cards in every match be five hundred to one. That's actually we've had we've had to cut in one or more cards in each match from five hundred to one to sixty six to one off the back of what the Premier League changes and what we've seen in in kind of the football league in recent weeks. So just a bit of insight there. Yeah, I just for I spoke I spoke about my kind of confidence in Bournemouth there on the exchange. It's a kind of a tricky market to track. But I, I'd be looking at them. Top ten is around kind of around around six to one in the exchange. But also on the handicap, they're plus fifty on the handicap in the exchange. You can get that at around fourteen or fifteen to one. I think, as as I said, I think the the, the, the managerial upgrades and I kind of another thing. It's maybe not as relevant to betting, but I think it's kind of quite a heartwarming story. Is that apparently David Brooks has been going really well in pre-season. Listeners might remember that maybe four years ago Brooks was kind of on the move to maybe a kind of a Spurs level club after kind of a really good season with Bournemouth. He's had, but he's had terrible injury problems. He also had Hodgkin, Hodgkin's lymphoma, which he apparently fully recovered from so at 26 hopefully he'll recover his form I think I think he could potentially be a huge player for Bournemouth this year as well I've just got a quick question for him because yep. like there's obviously been a drastic adjustment in those odds for cards at what stage of the season do you reckon the value will actually be taking the unders because it's gonna it's gonna regress it's, you know it's, it's almost like stamp your authority early doors with the with these new rules and then it'll kind of calm down right yeah exactly I, I think maybe I think I think nearly the first week it might be a good shout in that like I think we saw in some of the championship games it's quite quite volatile and maybe somewhat referee dependent but I think we might see overreaction by the markets this week to the EFL so I wouldn't blame anyone from doing kind of a multi on I know it's a Marco O'Hare special under under 0.5 cards in a few matches where, where the kind of ref is right so I think it's possible that the, the markets might take a huge swing in the kind of uh, as kind of an overreaction to the EFL from last week. Yeah, Mark did have some big winners uh, with that under 0.5 cards towards the end of last season. Quickfire then, biggest positive surprise of the season potentially. Positive surprise? Yeah. Yes, positive surprise. You look surprised. I'm very surprised, surprised yeah. Um, <laughs> I thought it was going to be like best signing or something like that. Well, we'll get to that. All oh, right. <laughs> Positive surprise. He's asking him questions. Yeah. He's dictating the order of the show to me. <laughs> I'm taking over, Kev. Um, positive surprise, Burnley, just in general. I think they'll be um, more than comfortable this season. I think they'll cause a few upsets and they'll be good to watch as well. Stinch, who's going to surprise um, Dominic Shobosly to dominate. I'm not convinced, As an, he's a number 10 in my opinion. I'm not convinced he fits that well into a 4-3-3. Um, 12 goals and 16 assists across 43 Bundesliga starts. If Klopp can do what he's done with Trent and move him into a central role and it doesn't take anything away from the team, if he can move Shobosly into this, I don't know, floating number 10, if you want, yeah. and he's, I don't know, picking up double figures, goals and assists, I think it could, it could be stunning. Yeah, could do some serious damage and he loves a shot from range as well. Emmett, who's going to positively surprise us? Not uh, Manchester City. <laughs> no, exactly, not Manchester City. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll wait. Sam Rosbottom, friend of the pod, will give me some abuse after about that. But yeah, I, I think in terms of a signing, in terms of maybe a transformative impact, we mentioned him earlier, is, is maybe Andre Onana. I think any Man United watcher is kind of f- familiar with kind of how high David, how high David de Gea's kind of long ball percentage was, and he's really kind of an old, an old school keeper that has been kind of nearly exposed by the kind of modern transition to kind of footballing keepers, and where you, where you're at a stage now where how a keeper's new distribution is nearly more important than his shot stopping, and I think de Gea f- felt like a keeper from a different era. I think last season we kind of saw a half baked version of the Ten Hag style of play, and I think. 
Tag would have been no doubt furious to see De Gea constantly booting the ball up the field. That won't happen this season. I think if, if Onan is a hit, I think we should see a far more effective Man United as a result. So in terms of best signings then, Emmett's obviously flagged up Onana. You've mentioned Dominic Soboslai. Jake, here you go. Yeah. Best signing? Uh, Mahmoud Dahoud. I think he's yes. got a very good profile to fill that Alexis McAllister gap that's been left at Brighton. Lovely football player. Will contribute to the build-up in you know, a very, very smart manner. And again, it's just shrewd business by Brighton. I think he's going to be a great pick-up on a free. Yeah. But who's going to be rubbish? That's what we really want to know, right? Who's going to be the worst signing so far, Mark? Worst signing? Yeah. Uh, who's going to be terrible? I haven't really thought of that one. Um, <laughs> Mason Mount, maybe? In terms <laughs> of a, a package. slagging, doesn't he, Mason Mount? <laughs> well, I just think in terms of the money they spent on him, um, oh, just get a new recruitment team united. Like You can do so much more with that money. <laughs> but I would say the same with like Rasmus Hoyland. I, I really like him. He was, he was fantastic for Fratalanta last season in Italy. But the money you're spending on a player like that, surely you can sort of pull it together and do, do bigger, better things. I look at Liverpool, what they've done with Alexi McAllister, 35 million, a World Cup winner, you know, an Argentinian World Cup winner going for that price. Uh, incredible deal. Um, Chelsea snapping up on Kunku, early doors, you know, incredible deal. What are Man United doing? Dragging their heels for a deal for Mason Mount, like, just underwhelming. What a wonderful reaction that was. <laughs> I enjoyed that very much. Emmett's gone for Manchester City's lawyers as worst <laughs> signing. Uh, Stinch, who would be the worst signing, do you think? Who's going to underwhelm? Just on best signing, I think James Trafford might be ah, yeah. phenomenal. Great Euros. Um, you know, we think of Burnley previously in the Premier League. They relied an awful lot on Nick Pope. Now, that was a Burnley that didn't have too much going the other way. This is a Burnley that does have a lot going the other way. With Trafford in goal, could lift them even higher than, than expected. And yeah, I don't think enough is being mentioned the fact it did not concede a goal on the way to winning uh, an international tournament. You know, that's Ika yeah. Casilla levels of, of yeah. goalkeeping. So I think he could massively surprise. I've got for potential flop of the season, Declan Rice. Um, <laughs> wow. That's, that's an awful lot of money on somebody that arguably at that price should be a prime Xabi Alonso. And for me, Declan Rice, he doesn't offer that much going forward. So then you're yeah. saying, okay, it's his defensive attributes. And, you know, I think he's like a, you know, a poor man's N'Golo Kante in that respect. So I think he's got a lot to live up to in, in, that, in that price bracket. I'm really enjoying these. Jake? <laughs> poor <laughs> um, man's N'Golo Kante. I don't know how to beat that. Um, I, got, I got a couple. Um, Mark Flecken, the goalkeeper yeah. that Brentford have signed. Um, obviously, he's been brought in to replace David Raya. David Raya, they kind of want him out of the club. But um, everything I've watched in pre-season, he has not looked very good. Uh, he's flapping at crosses against Brighton in the whatever that competition was that they played um he just in no man's land for a couple of goals as well so i think he could be an interesting one to watch he looks like he's gonna be frustrating as a number one as well and then the other one was anthony langer 15 million quid for a guy who scored four goals in 55 <laughs> premier league appearances every time i've watched him he looks like he's got no end product um so playing at nottingham forest team who uh, yeah i'm expecting to struggle he could be one that we look back on. a bit like the lingard signing from last year that you look uh, at yes. and go right Went so well. that really didn't work yeah. You might have noticed, by the way, Emmett got a call there. That's his lawyer calling <laughs> in Manchester City. have been on the phone. Finally, we're going to add a little bit of mystery to proceedings here with an incredible piece of technology called an envelope. <laughs> Each of our tipsters are going to come up with a rogue bet for the season, something that's far from obvious, probably 
contrary to popular opinion. We're going to put them all in an envelope and reopen it midway through the season. Now, we mentioned producer Jack a fair bit, but you never get to see him, don't you? You don't know who he is. Who's this mysterious character? Come on, Jack, get on. So Emmett's done his first. Manchester City to be liquidated. Yeah, that's <laughs> his. <laughs> Mine's more of a, a prediction than a bet. Yeah, but prediction, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Should, we, should we sign them? Oh or yeah. not? <laughs> you can own up to them. I trust you yeah. to own up to them halfway through. Cheers. I feel like this could be a little, you know, go for a bit of money in a few years' time if it's correct. Mm, it's, a long, it's a massive long shot. Did anyone write down Stuart Downing or Raheem Sterling? I'm going to take the sacred tape and I'm now going to seal that and we're going to bury it in the ground and halfway he's just muttering in the background show what are you doing it's a podcast honestly can matter later there you go there's the envelope for later sadly all we have time for our new season only better they can carry on their conversation later on coming up later in the week of course we'll have our usual Saturday and Sunday previews all of your favourite features. Yes, yes. Mark O'Hare's Scott Watch is going to be in there. You can stop fretting. Loads of good preview content on our website, betting.betfair.com. We've got an exciting new Betfair YouTube channel as well for non-racing content. So make sure you check out the link in the description and subscribe. Of course, the racing channel is there as well. Don't worry. We haven't junked it. From Mark, from Jake, from Stinch, from Emmett and from me, it's goodbye for now.